My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. Another week, another controversy, another boycott. That's what it seems as of late, where someone's being canceled or a company is wading into hot-button topics that generate a whole range of reactions. It can be exhausting keeping up with the latest cultural and political fights that are going on, which is understandable. Who wants to evaluate if they're making some statement when they just want a beer or consider whether they're supporting some cause they don't believe in just because they're running into a store. A fatigue factor sets in after a while so people become numb or just tune it all out. And this is one reason that some may have missed something that happened this past week. The Los Angeles Dodgers, a major league baseball team, have decided at one of their games to honor a group named the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. No, they're not a group of religious nuns who work to help the poor, the sick, or the needy. They're a group of individuals who dress up in drag queen-inspired nun outfits and openly mock Catholic beliefs and, among other things, blaspheme Jesus Christ by depicting him on a cross and doing things I won't even try to describe. Even more disappointing was that the Los Angeles Dodgers had disinvited the group after learning all this. Still, when they received pushback from some of the group's allies, they re-invited them and then issued a gushing apology, which was staggering to read. The blasphemy, the anti-Catholic bigotry is so blatant that it demanded a response and a reaction from Catholics and others of goodwill, which thankfully some commentators and some Catholic leaders had started to do so. So I had shared a couple of these posts online, which weren't really that confrontational or even that aggressive in nature for the most part. One was simply calling attention to the controversy, and the other was a, a statement that was issued by the Catholic diocese of Orange, California, which was pretty mild and sober. And while for the most part the reactions to these posts were understandably upset and supportive for calling this out, I had this one exchange with an individual that really bothered me. 
in part because she represents people who had similar reactions to this story that I've seen and heard elsewhere. She misquoted everyone from Jesus to the Pope, arguing that tolerance is a virtue and that silence was a a loving response to people that you disagree with, even arguing that supporting a group like this is somehow noble and something that Jesus would have done. It's kind of striking that this controversy unfolded during this liturgical period of the Church of the Holy Spirit Novena, where as a church we're in the final days of the Easter season, which started last week with the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ into heaven, and now concludes this weekend with the second most important celebration after Easter, which is Pentecost. What is it that we've been celebrating? That Jesus has come to save us from sin and death. That Jesus has conquered the devil through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. And remarkably, we not only do the same by being baptized into Jesus Christ, but that God himself wishes to dwell among us and within us through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which is what today's feast is all about. Many Catholics have kind of lost a sense of the awesomeness of that reality or perhaps never really fully understood what this means. That's something that really came apparent as I've been journeying with thousands of Catholics through this biblical podcast called The Bible in the Year for a couple of years now. One thing that's come up as we've done this, this scripture study is how many were surprised to kind of learn the history of God's presence among his people. Because before Jesus became one of us and one with us, God's presence among his people was limited to the utmost of sacred places, the the temple in Jerusalem, with the most sacred of items, the Ark of the Covenant, which contained the stone tablets in which God had written his Ten Commandments, some manna, that heavenly bread that God had fed his people when they were in the wilderness en route to the, the Promised Land, and the staff of of Moses' brother Aaron, which was the sign of the priesthood. These were the most sacred of items to the Jewish people. The ark was so holy, it was not to be touched by anyone. In fact, there are incidents where people instantly died for doing so. The ark was only moved by being carried on these poles with very specific instructions set by the Lord God to the Levite priests. So when the the temple was finally constructed in Jerusalem and the ark was placed in what was called the Holy of Holies, the scripture describes this cloud engulfing the temple as God's glory filled that sacred space and made it sacred. That's why the, the loss of the ark, the destruction and desecration of the temple was so devastating to the Jewish people. When they finally were able to rebuild the temple, there was this desperate hope for the glory of the Lord to return. Which is one of the things that some missed or misunderstood or rejected at the time of Jesus. That the glory of the Lord was to be found in Jesus himself as the new and eternal temple. He was this temple that was destroyed and three days later was rebuilt in his resurrection from the dead. Even more remarkably, though, 
Jesus becomes the cornerstone with each of us in our baptisms becoming living stones of God's temple. So when we receive baptism and confirmation, God's Holy Spirit was poured into us and meant to engulf us, his glory filling us just as it had filled that physical temple at one time. That's what we celebrate today. That presence of God that at one time was reserved and limited to an ark that couldn't even be touched or housed in a temple in Jerusalem is now in the bodies and souls of all those baptized into Jesus Christ. That's not meant for our own edification or just our own enjoyment. And that's not a a membership card that we just put in our wallets. God's Holy Spirit has been poured into us. And then it's our responsibility to care for him, to reverence him, to know and to love him, and to respond to his call to renew the face of the earth. This is why some of the reactions to the Los Angeles Dodgers controversy was so troubling. Yes, as Americans, we respect the freedom of speech of others. But that's not accomplished by our silencing our freedom of speech. But even more, as Catholics, how have we gotten to this place where we start to fall for these manipulations in the first place? That we need to be accepting of such depravity that it's somehow bigoted to call out blatant bigotry, that it's intolerated or intolerant when we are offended by blasphemy. At one point in this particular exchange with this this person, she said she was frustrated that I didn't recognize the importance of agreeing to disagree, acknowledging everyone has their rights, and she was following the golden rule. Again, those are talking points that the people insist on just to shut down someone who doesn't want to address the main issue. Particularly when you ask, are you advocating for similar acts of public indecency toward other groups or acts that might be insensitive to another religion? Working at Montclair State University, which is a public state secular university, I know the answer to that question. And I'm used to those twisted illogical arguments. But what was worse was that this is coming from a fellow Roman Catholic, someone who has been baptized and confirmed and received Jesus' body, blood, and the Eucharist. And that's why it weighed on my heart this week. Because I know the tension, the difficulty, the hassle it is in even bringing these things up. I felt the tension and wrestled with even talking about this today, let alone sharing these things on social media. But the idea that things that we hold sacred, like the evangelical counsels that Jesus gave in the gospel of poverty, chastity, and obedience, or that Jesus Christ himself could all be mocked and derided, and for those attacks and those who level them to be honored and celebrated and elevated, and for those who are Catholic themselves to either be silenced out of fear or worse, by being twisted by the lies of the devil, to think that tolerance is virtuous and loving when they're the exact opposite, all that's troubling. Boycotts, petitions, raising awareness about how unconscionable all this is, that's important for sure. But I think that those are just addressing symptoms we see exterior 
rather than zeroing in on the problem within, the thing that should never have been tolerated. And that's lukewarmness. That's indifference. That's the loss of a sense of reverence that we have for the holiness of God and His presence and His action among us. We've gone from those stone tablets with the words written by God Himself and giving the Ten Commandments being so revered that they couldn't be touched to now the Ten Commandments are not just banished from public view or discourse, but have even diminished in importance for a lot of everyday Catholics. Whether it's the one who calls himself a pro-choice Catholic to the one who uses God's very name as a curse. The easiest thing to do is to ignore all this. The easier thing is to simply rally outrage at the Los Angeles Dodgers. But as a spiritual father preaching a homily on this Pentecost Sunday, my main concern is your soul and mine. God has poured his Holy Spirit upon us, which is an amazing, awesome, and generous gift. But in our receiving that gift, there are expectations attached. That's what those baptismal promises were, which we renew every Easter. That we align ourselves with God and the things of God, and we reject Satan and all his empty promises and all his empty show. That so much depravity and darkness has not just been accepted and promoted and celebrated is a reflection on all of us. Because perhaps we have grown indifferent and lukewarm to sin in our own lives, that we're embarrassed or afraid to confront it elsewhere. May this unfortunate story falling during this time of Pentecost be an opportunity for our reflection and asking for the Holy Spirit to renew each of us, to renew our our faith in Him, to renew our commitments to Him, to renew our appreciation of all those generous gifts that He's poured out and that the Holy Spirit intended for us to use. That's a healthy fear of the Lord, where we acknowledge His greatness and our littleness, an appreciation of an appropriate piety, which moves us to call God our Father and our responsibility to those around us as brothers and sisters in acts of genuine, sincere love, a greater desire for knowledge of the things of God in our faith, the strength and the fortitude to endure the challenges, the ridicule, the persecution that comes from being faithful. That we learn, lean on the, the counsel of the Lord. When, all those times when we know that's right and wrong interiorly, but we allow that peer pressure to encourage us to bypass that, that we will lean on that counsel of the Lord. The understanding to see past the things of this world and to have our visions directed to what God desires. And finally, the wisdom to know and to use higher truths to guide all of our actions. The more that each of us commits to these things, the less likely a boycott or even such blasphemies and bigotry would occur in the first place. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful and kindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Amen.